I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have got a bevy of stories to track with you. Drama in the House of Representatives as... The speakership of Kevin McCarthy is potentially in danger. Uh, we will continue to update you throughout the course of the program as that plays itself out. Uh, but there are a lot of different stories to discuss. But crime is right now on the top of many people's minds, particularly crime in Washington, D.C. and other cities where crime has continued to skyrocket. Buck. Um, I'm reading from Lucas Tomlinson's report that he put out earlier this morning. Uh, Lucas Tomlinson is a Fox News correspondent. He said, in Washington, D.C., the average murder suspect has 11 prior arrests. That is according to police. Violent crime is up 38% this year over last year in D.C. By the way, Buck and I will be in D.C. in two weeks for multiple days as a part of our new uh, affiliate. I believe, is it 104.7 that you can listen to us, and many of you are listening right now, all over the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I will so keep Clay safe. I will be yeah. your personal security detail. Uh, no worries. Hopefully, hopefully we will be safe. I went to college there. Buck has lived in D.C. 38% increase in crime and a lot of attention as... Uh, Muriel Bowser, who is D.C.'s mayor, says, D.C., how much short do you think they are of how many cops, Buck, they need to be able to run effectively uh, the police presence in Washington, D.C.? I'm sure they're short hundreds. 400, she says. Remember, D.C. was one of the capitals of the defund the police movement. Well, now they're saying... Uh, look, we got a lot of policies, it turns out, that makes it hard to hire police officers. You've got a Democrat congressman who was carjacked uh, and uh, outside of an apartment building that is very uh, popular with Congress people to be staying there when they're traveling for work. But listen to uh, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser say, yeah, we're 400 cops short and we're having difficulty uh, recruiting them because of the policies we put in place. We need more officers. We don't have the officers that we need, and sadly, we've lost three to 400 officers in the last four years. Um, we haven't had officers in our schools, and we have policies that make it difficult to create, recruit new officers. How predictable is this, Buck, that the defund the police movement, which I think is the single dumbest political argument of the 21st century, has led to skyrocketing crime rates, and now people in many of these cities with skyrocketing crime rates want more police 
but they have put in place policies where police say, why in the world would we ever work there? This is the, the cascading effect that you see from these bad decisions. What happens when in order to placate, for example, a, a anti-police mob in any jurisdiction in any city, uh, you know, when they decide that some law enforcement officer is going to pay the price for historic injustice or society's ills or whatever, all the other cops see that and they take note of it yep. and they start to say to themselves, well, hold on a second. Maybe I don't want to go down that dark alley when I see a fleeing felon because I don't want to have to wrestle that person. I don't want to get into a force on force situation. Uh, Heather McDonald, who we've had on the show many times, termed this the Ferguson effect, yep. where police do less because they know they are less supported, because they know that the politics where they happen to work are on the side of the criminal. Tie goes to the criminal, in essence, if you will, or if anything comes even close in a force incident, the criminal is going to get the benefit of the doubt. You also add to that, then, the early retirements and the difficulty in recruitment, which, you know, you're, you're kind of cutting things down at both ends. You're, you're cutting the tree down at both ends, so to speak, um, because people don't want to sign up in, in these jurisdictions, and they also want to get out of it faster because, I mean, the worst nightmare for a lot of cops, short of losing your freedom and being imprisoned, is to lose your pension. And that's not even a criminal matter. That's something that can happen because of departmental discipline. And you might have worked for, you know, you might be right up near your 20, your 20th year when you, in most places, would get your pension. And you can lose it because of a video that someone takes of you wrestling some maniac to the ground. It, you know, it's not that they're going to edit, by the way, Buck, to the 20 seconds that make the police officer look the worst. Right. You're not even going to see the full fruition of that interaction. Yeah, and and you you also are seeing, and look, I I always I thought it was really um, grotesque when during COVID anybody who was opposed to lockdowns, let's say, if they got were if they were hospitalized or even maybe died from COVID, there were all these people online that were sharing the she, and it's like, well, as we know, it actually had nothing. You know, everybody basically got COVID, so that had nothing to do with anything. Correct. That was a an inhumane and idiotic position that they were taking. Um. But it, it is it is noted by many people that you've seen a, a few instances. I mean, one in particular, you see this CBS News in New York. There was this longtime social justice advocate um, who was basically a community organizer. And he was just stabbed to death on the streets of Crown Heights earlier this week in New York City. And he was he was with his girlfriend. Some guy came up to him and said, what are you looking at? And stabbed him to death. I mean, just the worst kind of, you know, heinous out of nowhere crime. I mean, this is an individual who, first of all, you know, the whole thing is horrible, but was part of the system with community organizing and and, and the left wing apparatus in a city like New York of ending the kind of policing and ending the kind of procedures that make people safer on the streets. So now people are looking at this and they're saying, you know, I mean, Nancy Pelosi, another example of this, with her, with her husband in their district in San Francisco, the liberals who push for the policies that make these places more dangerous are actually now falling victim to some of the policies themselves, and people are taking note of that. We haven't even mentioned yet, Clay. Congressman Cuellar. Yep. Congressman Cuellar, a mile from the Capitol building, was just carjacked. In the last in the last 24 hours, uh, you know, and now I'm not even sure what his positions have been on police. And I think he's actually more of a centrist Democrat, but that's irrelevant to yeah, members of Congress. were getting carjacked yes. in our nation's capital. Here we have when him talking they... about it, I think, but cut to. Yeah, let's I was just uh, coming into my place. Uh, three guys uh, came out of uh, nowhere and they pointed guns uh, at me. I do have a black belt, but I uh, recognize when you got three uh, three guns. Uh, I looked at one with a gun, another with a gun, a third one behind me. Uh, so they said they wanted my car. I said, sure, you got to keep calm in those situations. And then they took off. They uh, recovered the car. Clay, first of all, I mean, a black belt. One guy has a gun. One guy has a knife. Uh, you know, your black belt. Yeah, if you're is not, not John Wick here, right? You're not Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. Uh, yeah. the idea of fighting off three people with guns is uh, a Hollywood fantasy. You have, you have so zero, I love that he said he was a black belt. 
yeah, you have zero, you have zero chance effectively. And, and I'm glad, look, he did the right thing, which is just to concede and give them, uh, give them the, the vehicle. Um, you know, most important thing is to get off the X, so to speak, and, and, and be safe yourself and keep you and your loved ones safe. But you have a member of Congress who's carjacked a mile from the Capitol, not far from the Capitol building itself. It starts to hit home, I think, for people. The, these things don't have to be happening. And that's why when you started, with the number of times that these individuals who are arrested for homicides uh, have been arrested previously, we, we were all led to believe by the media, and I will say there were Republicans who went along with this, that our criminal justice system had just become a mass incarceration machinery. Remember, that was the term, oh, mass yeah. incarceration. Yes. That was far too harsh on first-time, low-level, nonviolent offenders. And somehow that, in just the span of a, of a few years, transformed into we got people being arrested a hundred a hundred times, and the hundred and first time, you know, they they're cracking an old lady over the head with a bat, or they're pushing somebody in front of an oncoming subway train, or, or whatever the case, whatever the heinous crime may be, and we're supposed to think that the system is what functioning properly? Yeah. I mean, Clay, how much more clear could the failure be? And you know, the, the the issue here is I don't think Joe Biden is as vulnerable on this as he should be because he recognized, you know, he's been in the game a long time. He knows. I think he kind of knew what was coming. Um, That's why he didn't get on the defund police train like some others did. But the de- for the Democrats, especially in cities and in state, you know, in, uh, in congressional elections, city, state elections, there have to be consequences for this. And, and maybe the consequences are just the continued flight of people from these poorly managed cities where they're not going to be able to pay the police forces and you just get into this spiral. And I also wanted to mention, so D.C. is getting a lot of attention right now, 38% violent crime rate, 11 times the average murder suspect has been arrested prior before a murder. Did you see this story, Buck? I, I just, I mean, it is absolutely disgraceful. A 38-year-old father of three in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, this is where Legacy Box is based. My mom's uh, hometown. I've spent a lot of time in Chattanooga in my life. Not a huge city, but uh, a city and an example of crime. 38-year-old father of three was in town for his high school reunion. Got shot and killed by a man in downtown Chattanooga. He had done nothing. The guy had been arrested 66 prior times. Think about that for a minute. How is it remotely possible that you could be arrested 66 times, including for violent felonies, firing guns that could have gotten people killed? This guy, by the way, Christopher Wright, just had, he had an eight-week-old child, three young kids, 20th anniversary of his high school, Baylor High School, uh, and this guy's a career criminal, 66 arrests, Buck, uh, and he just shot him right in the head in downtown. Where are the marches? Where is the organization that we saw, you know, George Floyd is killed uh, in an altercation with a police officer, and it turns into not just a national, but a global phenomenon of, uh, of, you know, apology and we have to come to grips with this and systemic racism and all of this stuff. Um, if it's really about protecting human life and treating human life as sacred, which it is, where is the sense of, of outrage and organization to go to the street to change policies, to change our perception over an incident like what you just talked about, Clay, which is, is far, unfortunately, far more common. Yeah. Than incidents of law enforcement fatality with a, with a, in interacting with someone who's a civilian, I think it just goes to show you how this issue now has gotten divorced from what is obvious and turned into just pure politics. It's not about keeping people safe. This guy, by the way, I, I want to make sure um, the, the 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 man who was murdered. I mean, if you look at this photo, I mean, he's got an eight week old baby, two young kids, uh, also in addition to the eight week old. Guy's been arrested 60, 66 times who shot him. Uh, he was a high school football and baseball player who went to Yale, came back to Chattanooga, had been a successful businessman. Um, I mean, I, I just 66 times. 
66 times. I mean, you have uh, to wonder, Clay, when the prosecutor was facing this individual who had been arrested for the for the 10th time, was there was there no part of the prosecutor in, in you know, Chattanooga or wherever wherever the 10th arrest was, said, I think we got to take this guy off the streets. He's a real danger to the public. This is this is crazy too. The mayor came out. Chattanooga mayor Tim Kelly said it was an isolated act of gun violence and said it was unavoidable. I'm sorry, unavoidable. At no point in time, this guy had been arrested before Buck for firing a gun into a uh, into a house. He never spent more than six months in prison, despite the fact that he'd been arrested 66 times. I, 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 how is that not a failure of, of, it's a complete failure of, of of society that this total failure of society. And this should be, this should be an all hands on deck. We should all be able to come together and agree. People talk about where's bipartisanship. You know, they talk about bipartisanship when they want to pass another, you know, trillion or two trillion or whatever it is of spending. Where's the bipartisanship in? We need to keep each other safe on the streets of our cities. And and that's not about politics. That's just about what's decent and moral. No, for Democrats, uh, social justice means we can't have the policies we need to keep everybody safer, to save lives, to save. Th- I mean, when you do analysis, Clay, of of when New York went from 2000 murders to 400 uh, or so from the beginning of Giuliani to the end of Bloomberg's time in office, I think it actually got to around 300 at one point. And you just add up those numbers of lives over the years. And then you turn around and you say, where are these movements that say that that lives matter so much? Uh, we don't hear very much from them now, do we? So uh, this is an important issue going into a year when the American people are forced uh, or in a position to make a real choice and, and make choices all over the country. Start earning high-yield returns in a low-yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. You choose your invested amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy asset bonds. These bonds have been filed with the SEC and are also independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting the traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding up to 13% annual interest. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment guide today at phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com. Uh, investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. From the front lines of truth, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less, every time you play. You pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks 
with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever, and it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize picks also gives you injury insurance so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free prize picks app and open your account. Use my name, Clay, for a first deposit match up to $100. Download the prize picks app. Use promo code Clay, that's C L A Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. All right, second hour of Clay and Buck kicks off in this moment. Thanks for being here with us. And we told you we'd dive into immigration. We're going to do that right now. So uh, the the number is um, stunning, but I have to say not surprising. Border Patrol putting out that in the last month, September of 2023, last month for which we have data, you have an all-time high. They call them encounters. Understand that every encounter is actually a, the act of an illegal crossing. We have we have border crossings, we have uh, you know, footbridge, we have um, roads, we have ways to get into the country legally. People are just coming across the border, and the number, which is a, a violation of, of federal law, and the number of people who who did so in September is an all time high of two hundred and thirty thousand. 230,000 people crossed into uh, the U.S. last month alone. This is uh, stunning. Remember, you're adding that to the, call it, 6 million who have already entered the country in three years of Biden's first, uh, Biden's term. Let's hope just term one. Um, three years, about 6 million, 230,000 last month. To, to put this into perspective, everybody, the official number, and they used to base this off of census data, has been roughly 11 million illegals, certainly for the last decade. Now, that number I always thought was low, and I've I've actually, uh, Clay, had the experience of asking members, longtime members of Border Patrol, what do you guys think about that 11-point-something million number? And they all laugh, and they're like, it's, you know, double that, at least, at least. Um, because they just say, look what we're seeing every day, do the math yourselves. There's not some mass self deportation that is, that is going, uh, that is going on. So when we start to compile the data, looking at the numbers, you will have had a almost 50% increase in the official number of illegals in the country over decades occurring in three years of Biden. So it took us, let's say from the early nineties to 2010, uh, it took us that period of time to get to about 11 or 12 million, and we will have added six or seven million in three years of Biden. Okay. So this is a pace that we've never seen before, and it's completely out of control. Now, what does it look like, Clay? Right. So there's the aggregate number, and then there's the how does this play out in terms of the impact on cities? And this is why it used to be. Well, we don't know. And, you know, migrants, maybe they're just doing the jobs Americans won't do. And there are all these things they used to say, oh, it's fine. There's no drain on resources. Here's an example of what you're talking of what we're dealing with. Clay, in New York City right now, this is a this is cut, I think, 25, 23, something like that. The number of patients. Have you seen this? Do you, do you, oh, you already know the number is going to ask you to guess. I saw the he- I saw the headline. So I but I would I would. This is extraordinary and in a bad way. <laughs> So the number of people in the New York City um, hospital system, the, the percentage of people who are illegals, is 25% right now. Play it. The border crisis surging. Officials telling NBC News there were over 200,000 illegal crossings at the southern border last month. And a record 3 million migrants crossed the border in the last year. Now, a new warning, a thousand miles away in New York City, where officials tell us resources are overwhelmed. 
Across public hospitals in New York City, a quarter of the patients are now migrants. Over the last year, nearly 30,000 visits by migrants and 300 new babies born to migrant moms. Clay, 30,000 hospital visits. Yeah. This year by these migrants, 30,000, 25% of people in the hospital system are migrants. You know, and, and I'm sorry, I've had this experience before in New York City of having to go to the emergency room and you know, really, really need to get some help. And you sit there an hour, two hours, six hours, 10 hours. And people say, well, what's going on? This is a part of it. This is part of what's driving it. And certainly more uh, now more than ever. It's outrageous. And the ruling class has no answers here, Clay, other than to lie. Well, and this is also interesting. I'm sure you saw Mayor Eric Adams. I think we mentioned this on the show yesterday is now going to travel to Mexico and points further south, telling everybody, don't come to New York City. (laughs) How is that going to work when you just had the Biden administration tell everybody from Venezuela who was here before July 31st, hey, you can now go get jobs. And, I mean, he's traveling to, at least he's trying. Kamala Harris a few years ago actually went down after she got uh humiliated in that interview where uh where NBC Lester Holt I think it was right who called her out and pointed out that she really hadn't done anything as the borders are Biden to my knowledge correct me if I'm wrong buck has been to the border once in like the last 15 years um and that was for a short in El Paso if I remember correctly like kind of walk along the border he didn't do anything of any substantial uh import he hasn't traveled to Latin America and tried to solve this issue. Kamala Harris hasn't been there in a long time. Eric Adams is at least going down and actually making a trip all the way, I believe, from Mexico City down to the Darien Gap to see it for himself and get media attention and tell people not to come. But all that's going to do, I think, is further encourage people to go because now they're going to say oh the mayor of new york city is down here telling people not to come is not going to work you have to eliminate the incentive structure jobs and uh and birthright citizenship are the two incentive structures that encourage people to come north and as long as those both exist people are going to keep coming so two hundred thirty thousand illegals enter last month uh clay i will make a guess because uh it's a little specific here but Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, according to, uh, this is, uh, I pulled this up in the Wall Street Journal, they, they have these stats. Immigration and Customs Enforcement in 2022 deported 72,000 people. So in one month, now that was 2022, I know we're in 2023, but let's just give it a sense. Yeah. In the entire fiscal year 2022, they deported a grand total from the entire country, and that includes, you know, people that are violent criminals and felons and gang members and everything else. They deported one-third the number of illegals we just got last month. So if anyone wants to know, like, what's really going on here, this is a total abdication of our sovereignty, a total refusal to enforce the rule of law at the border. And I think the Democrats... Are, are stuck, Clay, because, you know, their base doesn't actually want this to stop. That's the part of it that's so, you know, so insane. Well, it, it's a lot like crime. People make decisions that make them feel better so long as they aren't impacted by it. And and this is what's, I mean, I, I see them completely as uh, as connected because we've created a world where you say one thing, because it's the right opinion to have. Oh, we should have open borders. We should uh, limit the amount of time that we're trying to put people behind bars. Because you have private security, for instance. You have a gate. You have uh, very reliable police in the richest communities in America. They didn't defund police. They went and hired more when guys decided they didn't want to work in violent crime areas. They moved... The low crime areas got good jobs and good pensions and good uh, good opportunities for them and their family. And so they can live behind in their gated community with their private security guards and their ample police forces and say, oh, let's defund the police, knowing that it's not going to impact them. And simultaneously, Buck, they can say, oh, we should have open borders because 
in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really change their life. Maybe, maybe you get a little bit cheaper, uh, groundskeeper for your mansion, right? I mean, th- this is, this is the way that they are thinking. It's, it's a, and this is my big concern in America today, Buck. And we were talking about this off air. We have created a consequence free American life by which I mean anyone who ever said defund the police is not smart enough to be able to, in my opinion, hold elective office. And there should be consequences. Anyone who said, hey, let's go take the rims off basketball hoops and keep kids from being able to play basketball outside during COVID, they should not be able to continue to represent people. Instead, people aren't looking at results. They're just looking at what team you're on. And as a result, there are no consequences for clearly failed public policy and that's going on at the border. That's going on with crime. That happened with COVID. We live in a consequence-free universe. And that's why I've used this analogy, Buck. Your high school football coach is head, held to a higher standard of uh, behavior than the governor of Michigan is or the governor of California because they're Democrats and what they actually do doesn't matter because they're on the right tribe. That should be scary to everyone. And what what we've seen, and we started to get in this conversation at the end of the last hour on crime, it's true about immigration as well, is I, I think that there was a, that there are always two components to this. There are the true believers who think that we can change the rules or we can do these things, um, and it's not going to have the negative impact. So crime won't get worse, illegal immigration won't get worse, we, we can change the rules, uh, and it won't turn into the uh, the debacles that we see on those two issues. I think there are also people, though, who are a different kind of true believer who lie to everybody about what their true intentions are with this. And that's what I was getting at with some of the Soros prosecutors and, and their view of things. Um, they think that whether it's on the issue of crime or the issue of immigration, um, the rules that we have are actually a problem. The system itself is a problem. It's not like, oh, we, we're trying to get to the same place of low crime and a secure border. It's just different pathways. There are true believers on the left who think that we should be an open borders uh, state, an open borders country, and, Clay, that we should abolish prisons. The true leftist social justice reformers believe in, and they use the word very intentionally, abolition of police. An abolition of prisons. And that is insane, I know, but you will find it. You will hear people talking about it. That is what the true leftists think in this police reform movement. So they they bring other people along by saying, come on, guys, let's just change this a little bit. Nothing bad's really going to happen. I mean, it's fine. It's all going to be fine. Now what we see is the results happening. And on immigration, on immigration, it couldn't be any more clear. And I go back and forth. They either convince themselves it doesn't affect them, to your point, um, or they're just too stubborn and too narcissistic to admit that they were wrong, which I think is a big part of, for example, what happened on COVID. But that's where we are now. They won't admit that they've gotten this thing completely wrong, or this is what they wanted all along. Well, and also, Buck, this is the frustrating thing. It's just a big circle, right? I mean, somebody could make this circle, and we've gone through it before. Because people finally got fed up in the late not, uh, late 80s and early 90s with surging violent crime. And so they said, we're going to put the criminals in prison. And so crime rates go down. New York City, where you grew up, is a perfect example of this, right? People got so fed up with the lack of safety and security in New York City that they elected a law and order mayor who put plate positions and, and policies and protocols in place that led to much safer streets. And then what happens? Big circle. Much safer streets lead to the luxury of being concerned that being tough on crimes is racist. So you say that, oh, it's racist to be tough on crime. Then you put people back on the streets. Crime starts to go back up and you go right back into the circle again where you say we got to put criminals back behind bars. It's all so easily and predictably clear what is going to happen. But it's like the late 80s and the early 90s didn't happen. So we're back on the same cycle all over again. I remember when there were people who were hitting Joe Biden for the 90s crime bill when he was running in 2020 from the right. <laughs> a lot of us are sitting around saying, no, 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 guys, 
That was actually good. <laughs> let's, the one let's thing Joe get, Biden might have gotten right, right in his career, but the circle has so worked around where he had to repudiate that because now it's considered to be racist. And I just think the ultimate closeout of all that argument is just watch watch the minds explode when you say, yeah, you know, systemic racism may be a thing when it's policing. But what I'm really focused on is systemic sexism because women should be getting arrested way more for violent crimes than they are. I mean, 95%. And, and just make that argument like kind of deadpan and just see, like, you can start to see their brains yeah. explode because police arrest crump criminals <laughs> and women are far less violent than men are. And so, but nobody says, oh, it's systemic sexism that 95% or higher of the people arrested for violent crimes are men. We all understand men commit far more violent crimes. It's, uh, it's a good argument. It's a good yeah. one. 800 282 uh, give us a call. What do you think about all this on the border specifically? You know, gun owners, have you set yourself up with a Mantis X system yet? The training tool that allows you to practice your shooting at home? So many gun owners do the majority of their training now using a technique called dry fire practice. And that's what Mantis X is, a firearms training system that is a no-ammo, all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. It simply attaches to your firearm like a weapon light, and then it connects to your phone and the Mantis X app. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique. I've used it, and it is a really helpful, really effective training tool. Nearly every new Mantis X user sees improvement within the first 20 minutes of using it. This product is now being used by members of our military and special forces. It's military-grade technology at an affordable price. The Mantis X is a must-have for every gun owner. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, voices of sanity in an insane world. Welcome in, hour number three, Tuesday edition of the program. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We roll through the Clay and Buck program here. We're going to continue to update you throughout this hour in the event that we officially have a resolution on the drama that is continuing to take place in the House of Representatives, whether or not you are going to be Still seeing uh, Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House remains to be seen. Um, and maybe we'll get a resolution on this issue as we move throughout the course of this hour. Uh, Buck, we said as we finished off the last hour that we were going to talk about a bit more the Trump legal process and the way that it is continuing to play itself out in New York City. And yesterday... The uh, the fraud trial of the Trump organization in general began. Trump went, stood on the courthouse steps, had a lot to say about the judge, about Letitia James, who is the attorney general of New York and who ran her campaign in 2018 based on the idea that she would go after Trump. Uh, and I think a lot of people are still confused about exactly what this case is. And it's understandable because we've got the New York City criminal trial We've got the D.C. criminal trial, we've got South Florida criminal trial, and we've got the Atlanta criminal trial. This is civil. And I feel like, Buck, a lot of people still don't understand the difference between civil and criminal court. The easiest way to put it is in civil court, typically you are seeking monetary damages for a wrong, whereas in criminal court, typically uh, the, the punishment would be a lack of freedom that an individual potentially would face in the event that they are found to have committed a criminal violation. So we're on the civil side right now. There are four criminal trials still pending for Trump, but this is on the civil side. Um, and there are different standards of justice beyond a reasonable doubt in the criminal trial, uh, uh, more likely than not, basically a, a, a probability standard, 50% plus a feather is one way that it's put that something did or did not happen. Also confusing, I think, to a lot of people, this is a uh, bench trial, not a jury trial. That is, the judge will make the decisions about whether or not there has been a violation by the Trump organization. And essentially, this case boils down, for everybody out there, to did the Trump organization, did they inflate the value of properties that were owned by the Trump organization in an effort to get as much money in loans, potentially at a lower rate, than uh, than they otherwise might have been entitled to based on the valuation of these properties, was their fraud perpetrated? Now, Buck, what you and I have hammered home here, and I think this is important, and that's a quick background of exactly what the synopsis is here. What you and I have hammered home is, and this is important, 
There's no victim here. I have not heard, I think J.P. Morgan was the bank in question. There may have been multiple banks. For people out there who have never, I mean, it's it's not that much different than what you might do when you go around and decide to take out a mortgage. A lot of people go to multiple banks and they say, hey, here are my finances. Can you give me, uh, what rate can you give me on potentially buying this home? A lot of you pre-qualify if you're going to be out shopping for homes. Buck, you just bought a home. I'm sure you went through this process in many ways. Most of our listeners probably at some point in their life will go through taking out a mortgage. This is just basically a huge credit line that the Trump organization wanted to get at the most favorable rates possible, and they were using all of their assets as the leverage to justify the money that they were going to take out. All of the loans were repaid, Buck. There is literally not one dollar in damages that can be pointed to here, and they potentially are trying to get hundreds of millions of dollars in penalties based on a loan that never went bad, was fully repaid, and nobody has complained about. That's the story. Now, what they'll argue, um, and I think this is this will also hinge somewhat on on you know New York law and, and how it's written with regard to this, but by inflating assets, he gets a, a more favorable rate, and therefore the losses to the banks are the change in the rate as it pertains to what he would pay for those loans, right? So instead of, let's say, you know, if you're getting a mortgage these days, it's like 7% something, almost 8% now, right? Yep. Um, oh, well, you inflated your assets, so you got a 5 or a 6% mortgage rate instead. So that's where they're going to try. I mean, you're talking about JP Morgan. They're very sophisticated. They know what these assets are. There's always gray area in deciding what assets like this are worth. Um, you know, that's where I think that the Trump side of this is clearly in the right. I mean, this is a, this is a preposterous case, but they are going to say, well, the inflation of the assets gave him a financial advantage, which meant less dollars going to the lenders in this case. Like it's going to be some version of, of that, right? And, um, the judge clearly does not like Trump. Uh, the judge also likes the attention from this as, as we have discussed, but Donald Trump has been speaking out very, uh, very directly on all this. And here, here he is, uh, saying, this is him this morning. This is cut, uh, 15, please, talking about his net worth. Play 15. Judge Engarn has been given false and extremely misleading information about my net worth. Private company, nobody's supposed to know my net worth, but now everybody is and will. And I hope we're built a great company. But he's been given false information misleading information and corrupt information by a very corrupt and incompetent attorney general, Leticia James. This woman is grossly incompetent. She ran on the basis, I will get Trump without knowing anything about me. So he's been given this information. It's now been proven to be false, such as Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, being worth $18 million, when in fact it's much closer to $1.5 billion. So uh, he's he's taking this. Now, because it's a civil trial, I think also he just has much more leeway, Clay, than he probably would, than he than he will in any of the criminal trials that that may be forthcoming, to say whatever he wants to say about all this stuff. But yeah, um, you know, he he's out there fighting, no question about it. State of New York Buck is going to spend millions of dollars prosecuting a victimless crime on the civil side, while they simultaneously are not prosecuting violent crimes on a regular basis on the criminal side. And so if I were a New York State taxpayer, uh, certainly if I was a New York City taxpayer, I would be very unhappy with the mis- what I believe is a misallocation of resources as it pertains to where the focus is. Here is the truth. If Donald Trump had never decided to enter into politics, there would not be, I, I, I legitimately believe this, I don't think there would be a single aspect of certainly the criminal trials but I don't think there would be any civil investigation of him that ever would have ensued. No investigation of the Trump organization. This is from the moment that he decided to run. And I should clarify that. If he had run as a Democrat, none of this would have happened, Buck. Clay, what is more likely? I mean, if you take Occam's razor to this situation, that you know Donald Trump faces four criminal indictments and then a, a this civil case all in a year that coincides with his reelection efforts, just happenstance, yeah. or there's an effort to get him. I mean, this is what there, there's been a decision made by the system 
that he is to be stopped, he's to be undermined, and really he's to be destroyed. Um, I mean, I, I do think that there's a lot that will uh, come together in the J6 case specifically where they're they're going to try to you know they're going to try to get a conviction there and they're going to try to have major sanctions against Trump if he is in fact convicted in that DC case. Here's a, another way of putting that buck. What are the odds that Trump lived in New York City for over 50 years as a highly public individual of high net worth engaged in business deals all the time and never committed a criminal violation but suddenly at the age of 74, 75, 76, he became a criminal mastermind such that four different criminal trials had to be brought against him and that all of these civil investigations of the Trump organization also needed to occur. I mean, again, to your point on Occam's razor, we talked about that awful murder down in Chattanooga. The best predictor of future behavior, sadly, is past behavior. If you've been arrested, as we just said in D.C. as well, the data reflects that the average murderer in D.C. has been arrested 11 times prior. The guy who just got murdered in Chattanooga, totally innocent at his high school reunion, the guy who murdered him had been arrested 66 times. What are the odds that Trump, I don't think, Buck, correct me if I'm wrong, our staff can look it up. I don't think he's ever been charged with a criminal offense in his entire life prior to this year. And, and just what... He also, as you know, he lost a civil case, a civil rape trial. Yes. Um, and has to pay a $5 million. I mean, all these things. It, it is hard to keep in mind all of the different ways the legal system is being used to try and undermine, stop, destroy Trump, whichever one, you know, you want to pick. It's hard to keep track of them because so many of them are happening and so many of them are happening at the same time. Here's an easy way to bring this home. And this would be a great research subject for somebody. Has anyone at the age of 77 who has never been charged with a felony in their entire life suddenly been charged with felonies in four different jurisdictions at the age of 77? I bet that has never happened in the history of the United States. Think about that for a minute. Just the the, the, the markers that I just laid out. I believe I'm correct that Trump has never been charged with any criminal offense in his whole life. Most people are charged with criminal offenses in their youth, right? 20s, 30s, 40s, testosterone, men, uh, criminal offenses tend to peak in the 20 to 40 year window for men. Okay. How many people at the age of 77, never having faced criminal charges in their entire life, suddenly chase faced criminal charges in four different jurisdictions for the first time ever at the age of 77. I bet, Buck, that has never happened in the history of the United States. Because the probability of somebody over the age of 75 being charged with a criminal offense for the first time is very low in the first place, right? Because typically people in their 70s are are very unlikely. Your grandpa and your grandma are very unlikely to lead a life of, uh, of of zero criminal offenses and then suddenly get arrested at the age of 77. Like, if your grandma got popped, you'd be like, what, the FBI just raided grandma's house? Like, grandma's I think, house? I think, like, Madoff was, I think Madoff was in his 70s, but, you know, it's was not Was that four different jurisdictions, though? No, 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 but yeah. it was a lot of charges. It took a long <laughs> time a to catch charges. him. And, I mean, like, you can say, okay, like, there's a serial killer who has, you know, maybe gotten away with everything and suddenly they catch him with DNA. Uh, I think that, su- that sometimes happens. But my point on a lot of those guys is they're committing the crimes. They just aren't being caught for them, right? Trump is being charged for crimes now that are currently occurring, right? And there's no indication that he's ever committed any crimes before. If you're a serial killer and you don't get caught to your 70, you probably killed somebody in your 20s, 30s, 40s along the way. Uh, you're right. Madoff got away with uh, with his scam for some time, but he didn't get charged in four different jurisdictions, to my recollection. And, and also completely unrelated crimes, right? It, it's like to, to your analogy or to yes. the point you're making. If you know Madoff was charged with like grand theft auto and fraud, yes. and you know classification uh, document violations, then that would be a little bit more comparable. I mean, grand theft auto would be a little crazy, but you get what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, 
Our friend, Dutch Mendenhall, the co-founder and CEO of Rad Diversified, is organizing an impactful wealth summit this December in Tampa. Tampa. The Invest Wealth Summit is two full days in Tampa, Saturday and Sunday, December 1st and 2nd. You'll hear from a variety of speakers on a range of topics, including me. Tucker Carlson will be there, as well as a dozen others like Lisa Booth and Amy Vaughn. If you want to learn how to create future, then you want to be at the Invest Wealth Summit. Get your tickets online at investwealthsummit.com today. That's investwealthsummit.com. Dutch Mendenhall is a visionary leader in real estate investing and the author of the book we've mentioned on this program, Money Shackles. Learn how to diversify your portfolio without relying solely on Wall Street. Explore alternative investments and gain access to unique opportunities and hidden gems. Uncover untapped potential in real estate startups and innovative technologies. Come see Dutch Mendenhall, Tucker, Lisa Booth, and me, as well as many others. Expand your investment horizons and safeguard your financial future. Secure your seat at investwealthsummit.com today. The voices of sanity in an insane world. Play Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I want to take a moment here to share a story with everybody out there because I think it's super significant. And I think it builds on the world that was created in the wake of Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I know that you were super aggressive Several, was it five years ago, basically now, Buck, when the Brett Kavanaugh allegations were totally BS and many people accepted them and we created the whole Me Too universe and hashtag believe all women. It's had real significant consequences across all aspects of American life. And one just revealed itself uh, yesterday afternoon. And I sent this to you, Buck, because I wasn't sure how familiar you were with this story and let me give everybody out there like a 45-second background here. Trevor Bauer is an all-star pitcher, uh, one of the best Major League Baseball pitchers in the country, uh, w- incredibly highly paid, left the Cincinnati Reds and went to pitch for the L.A. Dodgers. And after he got to L.A., a woman accused him of sexual assault, and not just sexual assault, particularly a heinous version of sexual assault that involved 
him choking her to the point of near death, beating her up, fracturing her skull. Really, really, not just sexual assault, but awful violent acts. And those allegations were spread widely by sports media who accepted the anonymous woman's claims as 100% truth. Yesterday, after a multi-year legal battle, there were never any criminal charges brought, which should immediately have raised your your eyebrows, like, okay, what was going on here? Trevor Bauer settled the, the, the lawsuit that he had filed, and the woman uh, as well settled her lawsuit. They basically agreed to walk away. And Trevor Bauer shared a great deal of evidence that had never been public that the woman basically decided to set him up because he was worth tens of millions of dollars. And she was never actually raped, and she was never actually physically assaulted based on the evidence that he laid out there. And I know we have a lot of people who listen all over the country, and I've been really frustrated as a lawyer about the degree to which identity politics has taken over our justice system. That is, your race, your gender, your sexuality, whatever it is, your identity is a proxy for whether you're guilty or innocent, not the actual facts of a case. And I think we're failing in a big way. Um, but what I would say here, and I'm curious how you would respond to this idea, Buck. This also, by the way, happened for a Buffalo Bills punter, Trevor Areza, who lost his job in the NFL as soon as he was alleged to, to committed gang rape. It turns out that the woman consented. There was no gang rape that actually occurred. When a woman falsely accuses a man of rape, I believe that, and it's proven, I believe that the woman, there should be uh, legislation introduced all over the country. I believe that the woman should face the same punishment that the man would have faced in the event that he was guilty of rape. Um, because what we have created when we say hashtag believe all women is a universe where women with, they don't even have their names oftentimes because of rape shield laws ever put out publicly, can attack a man. His name is immediately put out everywhere. And if you are later found to be the victim, like it appears Trevor Bauer was here based on the evidence, this is basically Duke Lacrosse, if you are found to be innocent, you can never go back and reclaim what was taken for you by the false allegations and the woman just gets to skate off into the future with no consequences for the lies, if you are a survivor of sexual assault, you should be 100% opposed to any woman that lies about sexual assault because it delegitimizes what actually happened to you. Don't you think there should be criminal consequences in in cases like these where there are these fake allegations made that are designed to ruin a man's life? There should definitely be criminal consequences. Um, there are criminal consequences everywhere else in the law for perjury, um, for, for lying about, uh, not even necessarily allegations, but just lying in general. This shouldn't be, um, separated from that. And you mentioned the Duke Cross case. In that instance, the woman who brought the fake gang rape allegation against those Duke lacrosse players, uh, what she did not face any criminal sanction for, uh, for a clear and provable lie, right? There's a difference between this wasn't proven in a court of law, meaning, you know, it's not that, okay, this person who was accused was acquitted. Now we have to turn around and charge the person with the allegation. Obviously you can't do that either. Um, but if it is provable beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody lied about this allegation, it is, in fact, in the law that sh- they should uh, suffer consequences of that. And the uh, Duke lacrosse accuser went on to kill a guy. Yeah, um, that's later right. On. So somebody probably would be alive today if there had been criminal consequences for someone who tried to, to ruin lives. I mean, you know, that is uh, the Kavanaugh moment is still, I think, one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. I, it might be the ugliest thing I've ever seen in American politics and Kamala Harris. I will never forgive or forget was a major part of that part of the Senate committee that was trying to uh, really commit a, a ritualized and excruciating psychological torture and destruction of the soul of an entirely obviously innocent man. Um, and it was all about protecting abortion. It was all about the ends justify the means. 
of the three women who came forward, they were each lacking in credibility, but the second and the third went to the point of being just absurd and insane. Uh, you know, you can't make allegations against somebody and say, well, I don't really remember what happened, which is what the second woman did. Uh, and there were other allegations against Kavanaugh that they didn't even bring forward because they were so obviously untrue, as in Kavanaugh sexually, you know, this one woman told the Senate committee or tried to get word of the Senate committee that Kavanaugh had sexually assaulted her in a state he had never been in. So yeah. that would have been, that would have been a me- metaphysical, uh, you know, uh, feat of, of, Anyway, you understand. The whole thing is absurd. Um, it was crazy. It was disgusting. And Democrats paid some price politically for it. I think it cost them the Senate. But we now have this, uh, have this standard where people can try to destroy people based on evidence-free allegations. I mean, there's no evidence other than I say someone did a thing. And, and it can be, uh, a thing that in the case of Kavanaugh is so far ago that, I mean, what are we even talking about? Like, how could you, how could you defend yourself? Correct. How can you defend yourself against allegations that are that old? And in this case, with this individual you're talking about now, at least he didn't face criminal sanction, but he faced massive professional sanction. This baseball player, his career is ruined. His reputation was ruined and destroyed. And where does he go to get his reputation the last two years of his life back and, and his career and everything else? Where does he go? The media to a large extent, that helped to ensure that he was unable to... So for people out there who don't uh, understand, he's pitching in Japan now because he's effectively been banned by Major League Baseball based on these allegations. And it's been inevitable that this would happen, Buck, because Duke lacrosse happened. And when you make a decision that you're going to determine whether or not this was true... Remember, the media wanted Duke lacrosse to be true because they wanted privileged white guys to have raped a black uh, stripper. But they wanted that to happen because it comported with their worldview. It was perfect for them. Oh, look at these rich white kids. They're playing lacrosse at this privileged school. Of course they raped. I think there were two girls initially that, that were involved, strippers that came to a house off campus. And you know, they shut down the season. They fired the Duke lacrosse coach. Ultimately, uh, the, the, the Duke lacrosse players were able to get massive settlements, which we've never had fully, um, fully revealed. But you would think that would be a lesson for sports media, wouldn't you? I mean, I don't know that you could have a more clarifying, uh, situation than Duke lacrosse where those, those kids, those Duke lacrosse players were 100% innocent. And now, again, based on this evidence that has come out about Trevor Bauer, it appears that he's 100% innocent, too. And where do you go to get back what was taken for you based on the false allegations? And don't tell me, Buck, that this woman didn't know when Kamala Harris said, hashtag, we're going to believe all women, that she would be believed. Because, again, identity politics dictate that the wealthy white baseball player was the victimizer. That's what they want the world to be because that's what the identity politics victimization pyramid, the oppression Olympics dictates has to happen. And and with Kavanaugh, um, the message that was sent, even though he did end up making it to the Supreme Court, and I think that anyone of any who's even vaguely fair-minded understood the whole thing was just a smear. Uh, I mean, the ugliest and most disgraceful political smear of, of my lifetime, I think. Although Russia collusion was really bad too, but this, that's a, of a different, uh, kind. Um, but Clay, it sends a message to people. If you stand against the machine or if you get on the wrong side of the politics in this country, uh, people will come forward who will lie about you, um, being a, a sexual predator in front of your, your, you know, in front of all of America, your friends and family, and and everyone that you know, and even when they're proven to have been lying, or even when it's clear that they're lying, they will feel justified in this, yeah, because it is it is worth it to them. And the fact that we've never really grappled with that as a country, and there's never really been anybody who has come forward to say, you know, that Kavanaugh could have been anyone's dad, anyone's friend, anyone's you know baseball coach, you know, whatever, you know, for the little league team. Um, that that was one of the ugliest, most disgraceful things the Democrats have ever done, and, and I think that as a society we need to start having a little bit more of of a hold on a second, like this baseball player to bring it back, you know, full circle again. 
how did this happen to him? Like, how can Major League Baseball look itself in the mirror and not think we we ruined an in, you know an entirely innocent guy's life, or at least you know ruined two years of it? You know, it looks sounds like he's going to be all right. Um, you know, there never were criminal charges brought, thank God. Yeah, but there could have been and based on the allegations. I think ultimately, Buck, what it's about is cowardice, because if you are willing to say maybe Trevor Bauer didn't do it then immediately the media says, oh, you're a rape apologist, right? Because everybody is afraid when there's an accusation like this. And I just saw, we talked about it with Mel Tucker. I mean, don't forget, Mel Tucker, the head football coach of Michigan State, just lost his $80 million job because a woman claimed that he had engaged in non-consensual phone sex with her during a 36-minute phone call. I'm like the only person in all of college football media who said, wait a minute, this is total BS. Is that because I'm uniquely uh, in possession of a functional brain? No, it's because all these guys who cover college football are afraid if they speak up and say, yeah, this is BS, that they're going to get targeted and they're going to lose their job. And that's the same reason you got a lot of cowards in uh, in Major League Baseball. you got a lot of cowards in this country right now. People don't want to speak up about what's right because they're afraid that they're going to get targeted. And I think to a large extent, that's why so many people are rallying around Trump, because even if they don't think he's 100% innocent, they at least appreciate the fact that he is willing to actually take on the slings and arrows of this illegitimate justice system that we have created in order to stand up for, in the long run, what may be right. All right, switching gears here. (laughs) Back in the day, when families relied on camcorders to record special events and gatherings, it was quite an investment. You could find this gear at the electronic shop, fetching hundreds of dollars, perhaps more. And that's before you purchased all the videotapes, which many of you might still have in storage somewhere. Well, if you do, let's get them digitized with the help of Legacy Box. This company, which is based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, is dedicated to preserving your family's recorded moments. They transfer old media onto digital files, the kind you can easily click on, watch, share, or put onto a thumb drive or even DVD. Legacy Box makes it really easy to do. They send you a specially made shipping box. You fill it full and return it to them. Legacy Box has the ability to digitize over 15 different types of analog media. So whether it's VHS tape, super 8mm film reels, or photo negatives, they've got you covered. After 10 years in business, Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer. They've helped over 1 million to date. So get started today. Go online to LegacyBox.com slash Buck to get 40% off their regular prices. That's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K for 40% off. Want more Clay and Buck that you didn't hear on the show? Get podcast extras in the Clay and Buck podcast feed. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.